Hello and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and an expert talk about movies in the cinematic canon. Or not really today. <laughs> not really at all. Insomnia is um, nobody really talks about. They they kind of have amnesia about insomnia. Oh, oh. You know. Um, I am joined with Juzo in person. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. We both really love this movie, although I think it's one that. Uh, <laughs> is kind of forgotten in the in the nolan the canon. nolan canon yeah and and i did want to go over this especially with isaac but he's you know he's he's gone it's a holiday weekend so you know yeah, where, where where is isaac off to? he's up in auburn it, you know it's, oh, a, it's oh right right yeah. right yeah with his, um but uh i i think this this movie is kind of a, it's it's a unique case and we'll get into that but um juza how are you doing What's been going on? I'm doing okay. I mean, not much to report. Mm. Enjoying, well, not the summer weather. Actually, it's not really summer in, up in the Bay Area. Yeah, you're kind of out of luck down here in Santa Clara with this weather. I know. I got, I, I literally, the, the weekend that I moved was like the weakest, or the, the hottest weekend so far yeah. this year. So. It's actually, it's not terrible, but in Berkeley... I'm just it's 67 degree highs. I'm having a great time. Yeah. Um, and also just enjoying the we were just talking about it. it seems like one of the best movie summers, maybe definitely of post COVID, but maybe even in a while before that. Yeah. I was and we haven't even got to Nolan and uh, we're early cruise and everyone. Yeah. 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 I was trying to think of the last year that had a. Um, just an outstanding blockbuster year, and what I was what I was thinking about was how um, in nineteen, which I think w- was the best movie year since twenty thirteen, um, might be yeah. Uh, nineteen was terrible for almost the whole year until award season, so like October, yeah. uh, November, December area. Yeah. Um, and and. So I, I really can't think of a year that just has like a, an absolutely stellar um, summer like it has been. It seems like they've they've been waiting movies for spring and for fall releases, which is kind of it's it's a little more unusual. But this has really been a jam packed summer. So. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the most comparable could be 2018, which maybe it's no coincidence because that was the Mission Impossible fallout yeah. year i think that summer also had like black klansman and christopher robin and uh solo i don't know i like solo okay it was a fine but it, that was that was pretty good um but just like in theaters right now um i mean i really enjoyed the new spider-man movie um not some people are like really over the moon i'm like okay take it easy but but i think it's it's pretty good um the um we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy, which is really good, and also some independent movies like Past Lives. Are we okay there? Yeah. On the sound? Okay. And um and then the big ones, uh Wes Anderson's new movie. Uh I just saw I guess for my third uh viewing. Really fascinating. I kind of I don't want to say this to you because you're going to, you know, run away, but I, I kind of, it kind of feels like his tenant, you know, <laughs> like he makes this thing that's like a little bit meta, a little bit strange oh, and kind. No. It, it's, it's much, it's easier to understand than tenant, but it is, 
it takes what's ostensibly a simple story and then kind of builds it as a story within a story within a story. I think Scarlett Johansson is playing an actress who's playing an actress who's playing an actress in the movie. Like it's that kind of movie. Um, like, uh, uh, <laughs> like Traffic Thunder. <laughs> yeah, in a way, in a way. Um, but it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. And after honestly being pretty mixed on it, the first viewing, I found each time I watch it, I get more out of it. And there's so many little details of character um, and and just the, the design of the thing, um, visually speaking. Um, I, th- I think it's one of the better movies of the year. And I think um, even though his style in the last 10 years has gotten away from, I think, the more direct, emotional and frankly, what I've the, my favorite of his movies, uh, you know, Moonrise Kingdom, Royal Tenenbaums, Fantastic, Fantastic Mr. Fox. He's moved away from that a little bit and his movies are a little bit more restrained, a little bit more um, you know, characters speak in monotone. It's a little bit more art. But I think you you don't realize sometimes on the first viewing, you don't realize how much um, depth and emotion and um, humanity he's able to capture in this kind of hyper stylized way and in a way the movie is kind of examining that too because it's a movie about the making of a play and it's about the making of story and art it's really fascinating and i really hope you check i mean cameron and anyone listening checks it out because it's 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 even if you don't like it it's it's worth grappling with um and then finally the big movie bafflingly ill ill received by some uh is the new indiana jones which i thought was just a complete blast. Um, really fun. I, I just don't, I think the only, the, the only knock I have against is just, if you compare it to Spielberg, obviously James Mangold is not as good a director, but I think the distance between bad action filmmaking and Steven Spielberg, there's a large gap between that. Mm. And I think this movie lands, you know, de- definitely on the good side of things. Um, Harrison Ford is fantastic. We were just talking about his kind of the, the, the downturn his career took after the, that maybe the one of the greatest 20 year runs ever from, you know, 1970, whatever, three to maybe 1977 to 97, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where he really was, you know, he did Crystal Skull, but a lot of kind of low rent stuff. Um, but I think that this these recent movies where he's revisited his most famous characters. However, cynically the motivation for making those movies, force awakens, uh, blade runner 2049. And now this, uh, Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. Um, however, cynically the motivation uh, motivated they've been, I think it is some of his best work of his career. And mm. I, I think, and this, you know, is of those movies is the one where he's the, the center of the movie. And, after being like, oh, that was a fun movie, like just being entertained and having a great time, I found myself very moved by it. Um, and I guess I shouldn't have been surprised because this is James Mangold. His last two movies were Logan and Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah. Um, the latter of which might be, it's in the conversation for the greatest film, one of the greatest films ever made, I think. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, Ford v. Ferrari. Unbelievable no, I mean, it, film. That we were saying how, um, you know, as uh, if if someone like the Russo brothers uh, <laughs> yeah. directed this movie, yeah. we would be much less interested because I, I, I'd probably see it out of obligation, but I wouldn't have been excited. Yeah, because Mangold for us, you know, we've both loved his his last two movies, especially. Um, did he he didn't do anything 
No, this is his first since 40 Ferrari. No, I mean, uh, uh, before Logan, he kind of did Wolverine. He did the Wolverine, which is is actually bad, I think, from the last (laughs) time I saw it. But I'm curious to look at it again because he's, you know, I like him so much now. And yeah. Um, yeah, it was a weird because if if the movie had opened with no reviews and no Indiana Jones, I mean, and no trailers, it would have been I would have been probably over excited for it. And I may have mm. even been disappointed because um, I'd just be like, it's the follow up of a guy who made an amazing movie. But the trailers looked not great. They looked just kind of OK. And then the reviews were kind of OK. So I was just like, well, you know, I hope it's kind of good. Um, and then it was one of these things where I think it opens shakily i'm not crazy about the de-age stuff and it's like too much cgi but once it gets into old man harrison ford and he's you know angry his kids his neighbors next door because they're playing music too loud i was like hell yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah and um i don't know i don't want to we don't want to talk too much Cameron hasn't seen the movie yet but um i thought he had great chemistry with phoebe waller bridge who i don't think i've I don't know if I've seen, I've never seen Fleabag. I'm no, I'm, the only thing I've seen her is Solo where she's the, um, she plays the robot. Yes. Who is yeah. annoying in that movie. <laughs> um, but I thought she was great and I thought they had great, um, it was a great buddy movie. Mm. Um, and I thought other than that, some of the wonky night CGI stuff that I don't like, it looked really good. I mean, especially for a movie that's not shot on film. Um, so I don't know. Don't listen to the haters. Go go see it. It's great. Yeah, I think we were talking about we were talking a lot about um, about how much we love Temple of Doom, or at least mm-hmm. I love I love Temple of Doom from my childhood, and you had just recently revisited it. Yeah, um, and that's a movie that I think is so off the wall that it's hard to, for me. I'm like that's ingrained into kind of like my my childhood of growing up and consuming media. It's something mm-hmm. like, like a back to the future, like one of those movies where it's like, boom, this is what I think of when I think of like movies growing up as, mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, and so it's hard for me to get all that excited about watching a new Indiana Jones when I'm like, I just want to watch temple of doom, you know? It's yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. And there's also an inherent, um, not only the fact it's not Spielberg, but there's also just the aspect that he can't, you can't have action scenes like those first three movies because yeah, he's no. 80 years old <laughs> and um, you, you're going to have to, but I thought they did a pretty good job of doing stuff that was still fun, but not, you know, so ridiculous. And um, honestly, in every way, in terms of like characters, how much, the I, I like the dynamics of the main characters, how much emotion the film had. I might say the new one is better than Temple of Doom, but I think Temple of Doom is it still beats it because purely for the filmmaking, because mm. the, the craft of that movie is so amazing that even though it's a little bit tonally wacky and it's um, a little bit annoying occasionally, like Willie Scott is a little bit annoying. I liked her more on the rewatch. I think I'd still give the edge to that movie. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I kind of think all of the movies are good. I watched crystal skull again. I, I had a good time mm. watching it. It's definitely the weakest, but a lot of fun Spielberg stuff in that. Uh, and then of course Raiders is great. Last, I didn't even watch the last crusade cause I've seen it like 8 billion times. <laughs> Probably one of my favorite movies also. Mm. Um, 
Well, I, anyway. I, I, I have only been watching uh, occasional episodes of Breaking Bad because I've still been uh. re reabsorbing it. I, I've kind of just had it on a little bit in the background, but we were talking about how good that season four and the whole Amazing. three episode arc yeah. um, is just, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And, and it tops season three, which is shocking how they, they do that where actually every, every season kind of gets better and better as yeah. the, as the series goes along Yeah, in season three, that, that break where, you know, you've got episode 10 where Mike comes in and he's like, no half measures, Walter, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. And then, Ooh. you know, full oh, measure so is the, is episode 11. And then yeah. episode 12, um, is where they, you know, they, they, they make some decisions. They make some, some serious decisions. Yeah. I um, think, I think the end of like five, the fifth or fifth or sixth, you know, the, the combined fifth season is the best, but the fourth season might have the best last shot. Yeah. We won't say cause we're on being recorded, but yeah. it's that, that I blown away by that every time we were just talking about that. Yeah. And, um, Who's the guy in the wheelchair? Hector Salamanca. Hector Salamanca. Oh, he's so great. <laughs> yeah. Ring yeah. the bell. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, it, just everything everything about that show is is perfect. I think I will I'm I'm happy to call it the greatest show of all time. And I think I think it's fair. I think, you know, everybody was like, "No, but it's The Sopranos." No, but it's blah blah. No. Louis. Uh no, I Louis. think Breaking Bad is Breaking Bad is the no, is fair, the greatest really. show of all time. So, um I really I genuinely it's one of those things where you tell someone how good it is and then they're like, yeah, you're just like overhyping it. And then they watch it and it is exactly as good as, as you tell them. Yeah. Um, like that happened to you, right? You were. With Breaking Bad? Yeah. Yeah. No, it really did. And that's tough when it's like a masterpiece level. Cause I'd heard so much and, um, because it was succession. I had the opposite where I was like, come on, like, yeah, all right. It's fine. <laughs> and it's funny because the part that actually I did think was great was the part no one had seen, which was the fourth season. Yeah. Which actually I did think was one of the best things I've ever watched. Um, but Breaking Bad, it's like every season of that is like 10 out of 10. It's yeah. just a perfect, it's yeah. a perfect construction. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting that. I'm, I'm, I also like to watch Better Call Saul because I haven't yet. Um, you haven't watched. You've only I've watched. Only, I've seen the first two seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. long time ago. Oh, actually, yeah. That that would be. I encourage you to watch Better Call Saul because that's another show that I think season one is definitely the weakest. Mm -hmm. It's a little hard to understand what it's trying to set up and what it's trying to do. Yeah. Season two gets really good, but Great. from season three on, it like blasts off into like a new dimension, basically. Yeah. It's an interesting too because it kind of has a different vibe. It's a little less, at least the first two seasons, it's a little less like of a suspenseful, like a crime thriller. Um, and and he, I remember him taking advantage of the, the uh, length, the runtime of television with these like long scenes. Yeah, I remember there's like one scene, it's like twenty minutes of where he's he and um, uh, Kim are pulling this con or something. Yeah. Know? They're like, like it's, it's not even related to the plot. It's just like a little character thing, but it just lavishes time on their relationship. And it was just great. Well, and, and he's kind of the only one who does it in TV. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's an overstatement, but he really is the one who's like so invested in characters that he, he will make a season where you kind of ex get to explore little, um, 
like the incongruities of a character over time, yeah. you know, and it, it really is a, a, he's, he's such a good writer, um, that I think, I don't know. It's, it is, it's surprising that other writers don't take advantage of the TV format in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of them just end up being too many subplots. Yeah. A yeah. lot of kind of space filling. Um, yeah. Whereas like you, you do want to explore characters in a certain way. Yeah. And I think mind hunter is the only other show I can think of that's sure. that like on that level. Yeah. Well, anyways, we should talk about insomnia. Um, I, did you even do like the intro at the beginning where you say insomnia directed by whoever starring? Oh, I guess I, feel like I we didn't even do the intro. I forgot. Well, it's insomnia by Christopher Nolan. Yes. In case you weren't clear. I'm not looking at my script. We're in person, you know, we're yeah, kind of just, no, it's all good. We're, we're, we're shooting it. You know, we're just, uh, we're just, we're just Al rolling, Pacino's you know? in it. It's well, fine. Yeah. Uh, Al Pacino and Hillary Swank yeah. as the, uh, as the actors. Yeah. Um, yeah, directed by Christopher Nolan. It's written. It's based off a book, I think. No, it's based uh, on based another, another movie. Oh, it is. It's a, oh, it was you're a right. Swedish right. film from '97, which a camera uh, enlisted me for this. Like how many hours ago? Uh, yeah, like last like, evening. If I had known about this, I probably would have watched the other movie because I never. I've mm. never seen it. Have you, you've never seen no, it? Right? No. I'd be curious to see how they hold up. It's, it can often be really interesting to watch. Uh, two remakes especially if the remakes are good yeah because you, know, you yeah. see how different things work but like girl, um, girl with a dragon tattoo yeah, and both good know, yeah finchers is much better though um <laughs> the, uh, no but it, it's based on a, and then it's the writer is hillary sites i'm not sure if nolan maybe did some rewrites or, or not but it is the only movie nolan um of nolan's that he did not write yeah um and it in it, it kind of does feel like an outlier in his filmography in terms of just being I mean, I don't want to call it a gun for hire because that kind of sound, makes it sound, you know, has a negative connotation to it. Like he's not interested in the material. Yeah, I, which, I which he, he clearly is. Yeah. And I, I actually watched um, about half of um, the very weird commentary on the DVD with Nolan, which is out of sequence. And actually, it's it's actually more like watching a Nolan movie with the commentary because it's in sequence <laughs> of the shooting, the shooting order. So it's just jumps around and they have a little text on screen to show you where you are in the movie. Very weird way to do a commentary. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've never seen one like that, but he talks very passionately about it and he, he seemed very interested, um, you know, in, in, in invested in the material. This is his first movie after... Memento, which I think was, I'm pretty sure it was a pretty big success. I think um, so. At least critically speaking. It was and a he was small, Oscar nominated. It was a small movie, Memento was. Uh, but remember, I mean, I think it's funny when you when you think of the classic, like, early 2000s, maybe late 90s, early 2000s directors who are, like, starting off. Um, the dream is you make a you make a feature film when you're in college or something and Mm -hmm. then, you know, it gets some buzz and then you, then you, you know, you're able to sell either like a short film or you're able to sell like something uh, Mm -hmm. that gets picked up for like five mil uh, and then does really well in the festival circuit. And then you get a big time movie. You know, that's like, that's the trajectory for a director. And then you get the blank check after that. Right. It's funny because that's, that's the dream of every director, but (laughs) other than maybe, like Spielberg and uh, you know half a dozen others. Nolan is kind of one of the only ones who's yeah. I think like he's navigated that. Chazelle well. was was one of those. I guess so. Chazelle's unusual in that, or I mean, he's he's different in that he he didn't do a franchise 
movie. But in a way, La La Land was like a franchise level. That was like an enormous hit movie. Yeah. And um, a huge budget, too. I mean, yeah. That was like, what, $50 million budget? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. It could have been more. And, and um, yeah, and then in Chazelle's case, he followed up with two financially unsuccessful movies, <laughs> which is unfortunate for our guy. But um, Nolan is one of these guys like... Um, uh, Spielberg, who it's like he, he's basically played his cards right his entire career and yeah. just kind of gone further and further. Are, are we and we also talk about the the only downside of that, and there's very few downsides talking about Nolan because I think every movie he's made is good. I love the guy. Um, honestly, he might be the most important director, like in terms of shaping my life of anyone. <laughs> sure, just in the sense that. I mean, I guess I watched the Pixar guys. I was interested in them, but he was the first director where I watched a movie Inception and I became interested in, first of all, watching movies that are not just movies for kids. Nolan's a very good director in that way because he's kind of like, it's like training wheels. He, mm. You watch your movie, his movies exactly. as a teenager and you're like, oh, this is so smart. You know, so and you get older, you're kind of like, he's kind of like actually not, even like maybe he's kind of a dumb guy. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but he's, he's, less cerebral than you think as a teenager as it's, it's you're like wow this is this is the height of intellectual cinema but also it's like an awesome movie where a guy you know drives a speed you know snow speeder and you know shoots people and what have you and you know a hallway tilts sideways um so it's it's a it's a gateway drug into getting into other kinds of movies and then also he i think he's the first director where i was like i want to watch all his movies and mm -hmm. i watched all of or most of all his movies um have you and seen then, Following? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just watched that recently too. Oh, yeah. 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 No, it's good. It's good. I mean, it's it's a small... I mean, it's. I guess it's his worst movie just in the sense that he's working with like $4 and it's just, you know, <laughs> him... I think he shot that movie on like weekends with his friends yeah. and, you know, just... A, that was Like a, 76 minutes. Yeah, yeah, stu yeah, a student film. Yeah, 70 minutes. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's kind of a nifty little, uh, little thriller. And... Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I would just, be, I became interested in seeing all those movies and, and, and I remember Dark Knight Rises. I was like, that was the first movie I remember anticipating Yeah, where I was yeah, like checking too. the IMDB constantly. And I was going <laughs> like, uh, oh, what's, um, who's been cast in the movie following all the news. And, um, so anyway, getting back to insomnia, um, this, I think I came to this one a little bit later. Like it was one I kind of put off because it's probably the least other than following the least loved movie of his career. And yeah. as I was saying earlier, the least, um, it has his fingerprints on it. Doesn't it, 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 it feels the least of a piece with the rest of his filmography in terms of, it's not a movie where he's messing with the time structure. It's not a puzzle box movie. Um, I mean, there are even really twists in the movie. Like it's, it's, no, it's, it's just a straightforward yeah. uh, cop thriller, detective thriller, or, or a kind of a noir, I guess you could say neo-noir. Um, and also it's not the big spectacle Nolan that we kind yeah. of are familiar with nowadays, though in a way we're kind of, we, we've always talked about it. It'd be interesting to see Nolan kind of pulled back. And I think, I think it's a difficult thing to do when you get that big. Oh yeah. It's impossible. It'll you, never happen. There's so many, so few people who have the opportunity to work on the scale he's sure. working on that he and Villeneuve, I think is in the same boat with like Dune where it's, 
you, you don't want to scale back because then that's how they get you, you know? And then they'll be like, Oh, you're just a guy who makes, yeah. you become like a Neil Blomkamp where it's like, you know, he started making, <laughs> you know, DTV horror movies and he's never going to make a, a Elysium style no, sized okay. movie again. Um, so, but I mean, hard to complain because I've enjoyed all of his big movies, probably even more. I mean, I think my favorite Nolan period is, was the dark Knight and beyond dark Knight to Dunkirk kind of period anyway. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. It's funny that you talk about that because that's kind of how I opened last episode asking Isaac about his history with Nolan mm-hmm. because he's seen, you know, pretty much all of his movies and he had a similar experience though. He, he said, um, one of the things that was consistent about Nolan was, he, he didn't like his movies at first and then he watched it a second time and he loved it, mm, you know, yeah. even with something like the dark Knight, where or actually he said he, he liked it on, on the first go, but, but he was scared of it before he saw it, you know? So he had that anticipation of not wanting uh, to, to, yeah, like I, it. W- I was too. Cause it was, I remember, I actually remember I used to go on Apple trailers and like watch trailers yeah. and I saw the, uh, this Batman, I'm like, Oh Batman, you know, I click on it and then it's like the Joker, like, where do I begin? Yeah, and, and I was yeah. like, Oh, I don't like this. You know, I'm like 11 <laughs> and I didn't see it, um, until many years or at least a couple of years later. Um, yeah, I think, I think we we're all in the same boat cause we were, we were just too young to watch it. I think we were probably yeah, yeah, 10 or 11. I had one cool friend in school who went and saw it and he was like, <laughs> came to school the next day. He's like, why is so serious? But, uh, other than that, yeah, yeah we no, all I, had that one friend. Yeah. I was too much of a wuss. So, uh, yeah, I, I, but yeah, they're definitely movies. I think I liked insomnia the first time I saw it, but I was probably older. Um, but there's definitely a few. We're just talking about the prestige being one that yeah. I definitely had to watch a few times to like get that it's a really good movie. Um, and his movies reward repeat viewing because they can be definitely. really complicated. Um, I think Memento. I was I was reminded how dense some of the plot is. Where I mean, not real, not dense, but but how you he is anticipating for you to watch it again mm-hmm. and to kind of pick up on some of those pieces and it's a really well constructed movie, but I think, I mean, what I want to highlight here is in some ways, um, like you said, this is the least Nolan of any of his movies. Um, and I kind of really appreciate that in that he's, he's kind of just doing a character study mm-hmm. on this guy who's really tortured by some of the things he's done. He know he does, does things for good reasons, but he sometimes does the wrong thing, mm-hmm. um, which like a lot of Nolan movies is kind of stereotypical, kind of has that, you know, a little bit kitschy kind of detective, uh, noir feeling to it. Um, but the way that he, the way that he does it and the way that his, his directing and the world building that he does, it's not even really the characters that he builds. Cause he, he builds very simple characters in all of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just the, the scenarios and the, the action and the, the things that are really put into your, into your brain, make you like feel like this is a very lived in world. Um, yeah, this yeah. is something that, that isn't just like, Oh yeah. You know, another cop drama, you know, uh, where good cop does bad things and you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it doesn't feel anonymous. It, it feels yeah. of a piece with the rest of his work. And, um, I know when we get into spoilers, I think there's, there's definitely some elements of the end that really fit in with a lot of right. his, yeah. his interests and, and themes, especially in that earlier part of his career. Um, 
But yeah, this is just, I, I mean, it's just such a fun movie to watch. Like, I, yeah. I saw, I, I, I got to see it in theaters actually a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, it, actually, it was this little theater in Seattle and it was actually shown on film. And, and every time the reel changed, the, uh, you have the, you, the film would, you'd see it tilt up a little bit cause it would be misaligned. It's a little bit shaky, but it, it was a fun way to see it with an audience. Cause you don't realize like it's actually kind of a funny movie in places and mm-hmm. Pacino's just sort of fun to watch and, and um, it's exciting. I, I mean, there, there's something about the world of his movies. I just always, no matter which one it is, I, I enjoy being in it maybe more than any other filmmaker. I, maybe it's just cause it's been a part of my life for so long that I'm just, um, there's a certain vibe and a certain score he uses. Um, this is back when he worked with uh, David Julian, who I, I guess he knew since he was a student filmmaker, because mm. David Julian did the following score. And it's not as uh, virtuosic music as the Zimmer and Garanson um, music, yeah. but I think it really works. And there's a real like atmosphere to it. And when they're that move, that opening where he's flying over the ice and there's that sort of swell of music and, uh, Pacino's eyes looking out. Um, it's, it's, it's quite evocative and it, it pulls you in quickly. You know? Yeah. It, I, it fits better than like a Zimmer score probably would, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a very bombastic movie. It's kind of, it's kind of this, this simple and, you know, tightly executed, but, but kind of straightforward, um, piece. You don't really want something that's big and loud and hefty in, in the Zimmer way. Yeah, because um, it's, it's not that kind of thriller. It's sort of an odd. I mean, if, if for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, it's about a detective who's sort of semi-famous, and he's brought into a, basically a small town in Alaska, which I guess is in that point of the year where there's it's never night, basically. Yeah, like the sun never goes down, and he is brought in to investigate this this murder. One of these things that doesn't really like my dad watches movie. He hates this movie because he just is like, as a policeman, he's like, this doesn't make any sense. Why the hell are they bringing this guy in? You know. Well, I think the but, answer to that is um, IA is investigating him, and so this is kind of a punishment in some ways. Oh, that's a good read on. I was just gonna say it's a Swedish movie originally, so there's some weird jurisdictional things well, that don't make yeah. sense. But that's actually a good point. Yeah, they're like. <laughs> throwing him out to Alaska to do something. Uh, th- that's what I always thought was because, um, oh. you know, in the beginning they say, you know, it, they have that conversation, him and his partner. And he's like yesterday, you know, uh, IA was, was grilling me basically, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now we're out here, you know? Oh, so okay. I was, I always thought of it as this, like, yeah, these guys are big shots in LA, but they're trying to kind of get the heat on these you know these guys and so they're they're moving him away they're putting putting him in a you know on a case for a little bit letting him cool off and mm. then maybe they'll they'll bring him back eventually and give him maybe reassign them or something you know it's well, like that makes sense. it's like that yeah. scene where in in every detective movie where where they're like you're off the you're off the case yeah you know yeah, Hartwell. Yeah, yeah. You, you <laughs> yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah. You, you're moving down to to uh to logistics you yeah. know yeah they're moving down to the basement or something yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's a great it's a great sort of setting, and and I'm not sure how much we're getting into before we want to drop down the spoiler thing. But um, the the title comes from the fact that he uh, is be- I'm not sure if he is or he starts to suffer from sleep deprivation, and he's just uh, you know also this and the sun's blasting through his windows, 
and it becomes as much a mystery and detective thriller. And actually, the mystery is not really the central driving force of the movie. No. Um, it, it actually becomes much more about... Um, the detective. About, yeah, it, it becomes a character piece about him and his guilt about some other things, and including things he was being investigated for, I guess. Um, and... In a way, I mean, I think one of the things this movie demonstrates in terms of what what he brings to it outside of just the story and the script and the performances, all of which are really excellent, um, is that is the atmosphere and the kind of um, conveying the internal state of this guy who's coming apart psychologically right right and he does it with um with the music and with the look of the movie and with a lot of these sort of techniques that i have to say as a person who often was going through my life with sleep deprivation in uh particularly in like high school where i'd be you know go to school you know three or four hours of sleep that feeling of where like the light's shining in too bright or where you're, you're dipping in and out of conversation or where stuff, you know, is like quiet and that's really loud. Um, or, uh, you know, kind of in a semi hallucinatory state. Yeah, yeah. Um, he conveys that quite accurately. And, and as does, uh, Pacino who it's funny cause Pacino, as he's gotten older, there's a certain kind of sleepy quality he has to his movie <laughs> where sometimes you don't know if it's like, is he actually just tired or is he, um, but when you watch the movie, it, it's, it's really to his advantage because you don't even notice the transformation. It's, it's sort of it, it, the gradations of his uh, sleepiness become, are, are very subtle. But when you think back to the beginning of the movie, how sharp he is and how on top of it, there's, yeah. there's these great kind of reminds me of like silence of the lambs scenes where he's like looking at the body and he like has his like sort of quick analysis. And then there's, there's this, he has his partner and then also this uh, junior officer who is from Alaska. Who's like a big fan of his. And she, she, I guess she studied one of his cases when she was in at the Academy or something like that. And, um, he's sort of like taking her through the, Showing you the ropes, I guess is the yeah. saying. You know? Well, yeah, giving her little bits of advice, but she's kind of along for the ride. You know, she's, yeah, she's yeah. backseating, you know, in, and in he's, this he's way. quick on his feet. He's making these decisions. And as the movie goes on, and this is where I, I you know, I, I think whatever absurdity of the movie, I think is not any, you know, of decisions that are made is not a flaw of the movie because it's about a person who is his mind is falling apart and he's yeah. making rash decisions and he's increasingly making like foolhardy or even stupid thing decisions because he's literally like, um, I mean the, the Mythbusters did a test on drunk driving versus sleep deprived yeah. driving. And there, there's a real case for sleep deprived driving and he is even worse than being drunk. So it's basically like a guy who's like super drunk, <laughs> just messing up for, you know, the second half of the movie. Yeah. Well, um, and, and it, it kind of, um, the way Nolan shoots it and the way anybody who's been, um, a little too tired, coming home late at night driving or something. It's yeah. a very familiar sequence where yeah. he's, he's driving and he's, you yeah, know, there's actually a driving scene. Yeah. I like that where he's going over the line. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it kind of, it, there's like little Nolan focuses on little details of the car and then he wakes up, you know? And it's yeah. like, it's, it, everybody has had this feeling of like being, being a little, a little too tired, a little out of it, you know? And, yeah. and, 
almost messing up, uh, you know, while driving or whatever. And it's like, it's like, there's, there's something familiar about, I mean, I've never been awake for five days or whatever, but, um, and I think I, you, you mentioned that you don't know if he was, you know, sleep deprived before. I think the implication is that the, the sleep deprivation starts with that first night. Yeah. where he can't sleep, you yeah. know, and, and things are kind of off from there then yeah. on out. I think he just has a kind of a world weariness, like kind of the film yeah. noir thing early on, but the actual, um, inability to sleep is, is coupled to the, the town and also what occurs there. Um, yeah, so he's, he's just terrific. Um, I'm trying to think of how, what, how much else we can talk about before. Uh, we get into well. Let's let, we'll spoilers. just break down. Um, he he has a partner, Detective Eckhart, who um is you know he's along for the ride. Where you know he's he's been his partner at robbery homicide in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, they've seen some things together. It sounds like they have a little history. And right yeah. off the bat, you there's there's a tension between them. Um, right. where you know almost one of the first scenes. Um, they have a fight basically where Eckhart says, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to cut a deal with, with IA internal affairs and, you know, we're going to basically, he's saying like, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Sorry. Yeah. I have a family or whatever his reason is for it. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the, the jumping point of the movie where, you know, you have little bits of information, but it's really more about the characters of, of who they are you know, op in sort of opposition to each other where that kind of colors their relationship throughout the rest of the movie. Um, and then, you know, and then like I mentioned, Hillary Swank, who's the, the young, uh, detective kind of a fan and, uh, has an interesting trajectory with, um, seeing Eckhart or seeing, sorry, seeing, uh, Pacino's character basically fall apart at the seams. Um, and she kind of steps up to be, her own, um, you know, interesting character uh, mm-hmm. throughout. Yeah, and you see her kind of uh, initially admiring him, really kind of like having this like hero worship of him and her kind of idealization of him and seeing uh, seeing his, his faults, I guess. Yeah. As, as the movie goes on and her, her feelings of um, admiration uh, being punctured uh, throughout the movie, which I think she conveys uh, quite well. Um, now, I will say, I'll agree with your dad in in one way, or maybe in a couple ways. Uh, um, it does not make sense that they pull in this random detective. If it makes sense on the LA side where they kick him out, right? Right. Doesn't make sense at all for the Alaska side. It's like they haven't have they not talked to the boyfriend or have they not like, blah, blah, blah. like what is, what are they doing over here in Alaska? Like it's the first, I guess it's the first day, but like they really haven't been doing, doing much. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of feels like that, like almost like an old timey kind of movie thing where it's yeah. like, we got to bring in the sheriff. We got to bring in the guy who's, you know, to the hot shot detective. Yeah, to, to figure yeah. out, um, yeah, who who knows what he's doing? Like kind of this this small town thing of like, oh, we don't get this kind of thing much up here. Yeah, um, yeah. and I guess maybe you could also read into it that's like she admires him, so she, maybe she's you know kind of suggesting like, oh, we should bring this guy in on this but thing. Jurisdictionally, uh, yeah. it doesn't really make sense. It's one of these things where you got to do the 
it's a movie yeah, and be yeah. like, no, exactly. okay, who, who cares that? Much? Well, and, and one of the things that was interesting, cause I rewatched this movie actually last November. Um, mm. I, I watched it with Kiana and she, she really liked it. She mm-hmm. thought it was excellent. But, um, one of the things that I was thinking about this time was, um, comparing it to seven and how seven is a much better movie. It's a much better yeah. version of yeah. this movie in some ways. Yeah. Um, Different kind of movie, though, but yeah. Sort of. I mean, it. they, they have a, a similar structure, and I want to talk about that with the with the villain of this movie, but um, that's in the spoilery section. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, in in some ways, uh, I, I mean, I really think both have, have pluses with, with their villains, but, um, but John Doe is like an, an outstanding villain. Pretty all time. Yeah. Mount Rushmore of villains. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess with that, um, should we, should we say for now on spoilers? Yeah. See this movie. It's great. Yeah. We had a great time. And maybe unless you're a police officer or something and you're going to be, is your oh am I not just tilted down? Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. Uh, is is your is your stepdad like that? By the way, is, he's a cop, right? Yeah. Does he does he watch like cop movies and go like uh, this isn't? No, this it's BS. kind of the opposite. Oh, really? He, okay. he likes the dumb action movies. Oh, that's that's good to hear. I, actually, mo- he really mostly watches um, like military movies, like oh, okay. wor- World War Two, that kind of movie. I, I mean, look, I'm sure it's it's tough with any. Anytime you, you become engrossed in some profession, you just know too much and it's yeah. hard to, you know. Yeah. And also, the thing about cop movies is there's so many of them that it's like, yeah. it's a genre where there's going to be a lot of BS. Well, um, and at, I, he was, you know, he's not a detective. He's he's really just patrol. So, he, uh-huh. you know, he never, he never got that side of things. So I'm sure like detective movies, I'm sure are, you know, interesting and they've got, they've got a wrinkle of newness to them, but I'm, I'm sure if you watched like, are there movies about just like normal beat cops? Is that like end of watch end of watch? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've Such seen, a good movie. I don't know if you've seen that. So yeah, that's another one. I, I was like, I was like, I got to show this to my dad. He's going to love it. And then like in the first five minutes, he's like, they wouldn't walk around the car like that. They need to stay behind there to take cover from the bullet fire. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> but, well, it's, uh, it is funny. Yeah. Cause um, I mean, you assume that they have that all these movies have like, uh, consultants and stuff, but it's probably not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are probably certain things where, where no one's like, man, I'm just going to do it this way. You know, it's like, yeah, this doesn't strike me as a movie. That's like, he cares that much about realism, but anyway, no. it's beside the point. I think it's, we, we recommend the movie. Yes. Yeah. And we're, we'll move into the spoiler territory. Cause there's a lot of stuff. It happens pretty early, some pretty big events. Really early. And I, I noticed no, that sure. too. I, I looked at the time. Um, so ma- major spoiler. Th- I guess it's weird to talk about this movie because so much of the plot happens in the first half of the movie. It's like first 30 minutes, right? Where, yeah, where half yeah. gets shot, right? So, so um, Al Pacino's partner, uh, they're... they're they set a trap for the uh, for the murderer who they're mm-hmm. looking for, and um, along the way, uh, one of the bumbling Alaskan cops beeps his his <laughs> horn and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and alerts the the killer, and he kind of runs off. Yeah. And so they're chasing him through um, through this very foggy, uh, rocky like river kind of area. It's kind of a cool scene because they go inside the building. 
and the guy escapes through the floor yeah. through like a tunnel. But when Pacino comes out, it's like completely fogged over. You can't see yeah. you know, two feet beyond your face. And so, you know, he comes out and um and he's he's chasing after the the guy. The, this is a really important part of this scene that I think um is overlooked where yeah. he he sees the the killer. He has the the revolver. Yeah. And he shoots the killer shoots at the bumbling cop who who alerted them. And he yeah, hits him in the Larry knee. Holden, yeah. Um and then he runs off. And so at this moment, here's the thing. Now I'm thinking about it from from Pacino's perspective, right? Where it's like right. what what's happening? There's an you know the guy's armed. Um you can't see him. He's got a revolver. That's kind of the information that you're working with. Um, yeah. so, so he's chasing him and he's, a, he's a, he is a threat at this point. Um, you know that he is. So he's chasing him through the, uh, through this foggy area. Um, and he loses sight of him at one point. Uh, but he picks up someone else or sorry, he picks up a figure in the, in the distance. Yeah. Um, who has, you know, a revolver. It looks like or has, has a gun. It's hard to see. Yeah. Um, and, and he shoots him. Um, and as it turns out, it's his partner, yeah. Eckert. Um, Who dies. He dies. But as he's dying, um, you know, Al Pacino comes through. And remember, they have had this fight about how, uh, you know, Eckert's basically going to turn him in for doing some shady stuff. Yeah. Um, and so as he comes through and, and he realizes that Pacino shot him, he basically says you know what like are you trying to kill me so that i don't turn yeah, myself terrified in? yeah and and that is like a really it's kind of an emotional sequence yeah um where you feel this like oh this like awful sense of guilt because it's pretty clear i think the movie makes it pretty clear that he did not mean to shoot i think it is clear yeah and it definitely feels like one of these things where it's like you do something horrifying and kind of unforgivable and it's a great it's also great he because he he it's like almost like he waits till he knows he's dead and then he yells man down yeah you know yeah. like there's certain things about it where it's like he doesn't he's, he's like oh what am i gonna do and you know i'm it's just gonna look bad in some way if this guy you know someone else sees this guy acting terrified or whatever it reminds me of um of uh of hereditary that that moment in hereditary sure yeah where something really really awful happens accidentally yeah but the awfulness of it makes it so um it it gets so much worse when the people involved don't don't actually come to be responsible and there's like the sense mm -hmm. of not knowing what to do about it yeah and so pacino's character he actually starts his cover up basically immediately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He grabs the gun. He grabs or, the gun. Yeah, right. Um, he, like you said, he yells. Yeah. Uh, he yells. Man down. Man yeah. down after, after he dies. Um, there, there was also a detail. Can I point with mm -hmm. seeing it in the theater was interesting because it was much more clear on a big screen that it was Martin Donovan, that it was Hap. Yeah, I fog. noticed. I noticed that too. Yeah. Watching it uh, yeah. this time, where um, you could see his, but I was looking for it. So yeah. in some ways, I don't think but it you means could, anything. Like you I could don't see think his he, collar, yeah. whereas the 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 villain has a hood. Oh um, yeah, in the first, you know, when right. you, in the first time he he shoots at him. I'm not saying that is like means he did it intentionally. No, I I think. 
I think it's meant to 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 be played as an accident. Yeah, but there's also there's a weird am, ambiguous thing in the whole movie where he starts to be like, "Did I do it on purpose?" And he starts hallucinating about the moment too, and they reshoot it. It's a oh really? Yeah, it's a it's a new it's a new sequence. Remember when when he when he's thinking about it. Remember he gets those flashes where he's it's like him on the ground. Yeah, the memory um, that's a memory where he's like writhing and yeah. But there's there's an, I think it does it twice where he clearly sees Eckhart turn and he sees his face and then it's like the blood splatter, which doesn't oh. happen in the in in the first time. Oh, that's interesting. Um and that that's something that I think the movie's trying to to give you the hint that he he didn't actually mean to. Yeah. But well, that's interesting. That's a little bit like uh in line with memento in terms of like like faultiness of memory right exactly. false memory yeah um though it does it does it you know that at the end of the movie he does say something to hillary swank where he's like she's like did you did you kill him on purpose he's like i, I don't know i don't know yeah and it's weird it reminds me of like when i was in in kindergarten and i did i ever tell you about this <laughs> maybe i should be saying this on mic but one time i i think i i like knocked some girls uh snowflake on the ground and I, I tore it. I don't know why I did that, but it, but it was one of these things where I, I was like pretending it was an accident and I filed it in my head as an accident, but it was definitely, I did it intentionally. Yeah. But I don't know why yeah. I did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's more like you're going to get arrested for this. No, it's past the statute of limitations. Yeah. yeah it was 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, stop right there. You, uh, snowflake thief. Snowflake destroyer. <laughs> Um, no, I, I mean, I think, I think there are things where you're like, that really was out of character for me in making this decision, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but at the same time, apparently not because you had the character enough to, to tear up her snowflake. So it was weird. I don't know. I don't really <laughs> want to talk about it. I, I feel, Sophie, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, no, I was, I was, I was a horrifyingly psychotic child, but no, but the movie does tap into that kind of like guilt and him trying to like erase the whole thing. Sure. As it goes on. And, and I think that's why this, this does have, um, for me, this has not just hints, but it is, it is very, uh, in line with, with the Nolan way of viewing the world mm. of understanding yourself and understanding memory, understanding, yeah. Yeah. um, and uh, having guilt associated with, with memory, yeah. not being sure of your own. Sometimes self. the truth isn't good enough. Well, Sometimes. No, well, like the whole thing of yeah. like a bunch of his movies end with this kind of like reaffirmation of a false memory or of like, sure. you know, burning the letter is, is, you know, is he in reality or is he in a dream? Yeah. Um, the ending yeah. of Memento is kind of in line with that. Yeah. But, um, and I think in this movie, it's interesting because it the end of this movie, he rejects that. He, he says, don't, she's going to throw the bullet into the water. And he says, don't lose your way. Right. Well, Isn't that what I, he says? Yes. But I, I don't think, I don't think he's necessarily rejecting that idea because, um, Pacino's character isn't sure that, he uh he's not sure what his intention was oh yeah and so yeah. and and i think i think hillary swank is like well i know because you wouldn't do this you know it was an accident blah 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 but i think i think it is affirming that like 
Well, maybe not. Maybe I was in the wrong. Maybe yeah. I did do something. Yeah. Something, and it was awful. in the wrong that he covered, covered it, it up. up and yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that I think, and not that it's the biggest annoyance for me, but it's the biggest thing where it's it's a it's a serious it's a serious breach of ethics of his character. Oh, of course. But I mean, in a way, in a way that like I think is is worse than um, like he's he's. Uh, He's a a villain in this movie, in my mind. Well, yeah, or an anti whatever protagonist, uh, anti hero. Um, but I think I think I think the movie. It's hard to say because I was thinking about it. Where you know, as the the movie is treating him as a good character with flaws. I don't think he is. I think he's a bad character. It's, no, it's more like a, I think it's more of like a film noir thing. We have yeah. like some guy who is initially just like a normal guy. He's like all right, mm. who gets yeah. in. It's a guy in over his head. And yeah, it's a guy like, who's who's not evil. Double indemnity. Kind yeah, of double thing. indemnity. Yeah. Um, you know, out of the past, these kind of movies where it's like you're you're getting into something and just sort of spir- spiraling the drain. Um, but I kind of think the reveal at the end that he planted evidence <laughs> in his other case oh, yeah. also reinforces the fact that he is he is a bad he's a bad cop. <laughs> Not well, less that he's a bad like morally bad cop but more that he's he's not good at his job. Both. And yeah, and, both. and and morally <laughs> corrupt. Yes. Um or ethically corrupt, I guess he he's he doesn't because the reason he does that again is like we well, couldn't find justifiable because it's like the, the guy was clearly guilty, but of well, course so it's, he says, of, but of course it's wrong and and also as we've been showing the movie, he, this guy's perception of what's going on is clearly a little <laughs> bit like uh, un unreliable. Uh, no, absolutely, but but so uh, he's clearly you know the the. Uh, rapist murder child killer um so so pacino says yeah. but he couldn't find the evidence said, for it he said i looked him in the eye yeah i don't think that holds up in court pacino but I, I but that doesn't um it doesn't hurt the movie in any way i think it again it, no and again it, it it supports the idea that he's sort of a um any of the bad decisions he's making it's like this guy even before he was not sleeping for five days, this is a guy who is making rash decisions. Yeah, and kind of not. And I and I think this is where the movie it it tips the movie beyond being a fun, zippy, exciting thriller um, to something a little bit more interesting by making it a movie about him and the parallel between him and Walter Finch, him and Robin Williams, the killer. Um, Not just in the typical, like, you know, Oh, cops and criminals, maybe they're more alike (laughs) than, you know, like that sort of cliche, but just also in just the sense of them being kind of um, fallible mental mentor figures. And these people who are, who have these young, younger women who look up to them, who they fail basically, but I think I think even more than that, um, there's something about the the motivation part, right? Where um, Robin, well, I guess we'll talk about Robin Williams um, in a, in a minute, but um, his remember he said he's always saying like I'm not a murderer, I didn't mean to kill her, yeah. And then when he tells the story, 
he he just kills her. Like that's the story. Is he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. You know, I he's like, well, I just, I just, you know, got offended that she laughed at me, and I I started and then hitting I beat, her, beat and her then I death. choked her to death. Which is <laughs> he, such a great scene. It's a really Robin Williams. That guy was unreal. How he, good he was. Yeah, absolutely was unbelievable. Um, but but then you then the parallel with that with with Pacino is like. Is like, well, I didn't mean to shoot my partner. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it's like, yeah, but you literally covered it up and yeah. and shot a dead dog in an alley to plant a bullet in the evidence room and yeah. then planted a gun back in the killer's apartment and it's like you're taking these wild steps to yeah. to prove that oh no I didn't actually do it you know so so not only that is it's like there's this there's this parallel between them where it's like they have in their mind that they didn't do anything wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. But everything in the movie is showing that they, they actually do. <laughs> they, yeah. they have yeah. a lot wrong with no. what they're doing. No, it's a lot about, about uh, the distance between how you perceive yourself and, and how you really are. Yeah, exactly. I really like, by the way, how the movie, and in a way it's almost the closest thing to a twist. The movie opens with, you see the blood on the, and on the guy's um, sleeve. And even when I watched, I've seen it before. I, in my head, I'm going, that's the murderer. That's right. Robin yeah. Williams. And, but you actually later learn that's Pacino planting evidence. Yeah. But it's, it's like, there's a, this parallel between the two of them. Cause it feels like it's, it's the whole movie. you you see those little snippets of, of the blood on the sleeve and yeah. you think it's, uh, you think it's Robin Williams who's doing it. Um, so it's kind of a nice, honestly, like, you know, they do that kind of cop and criminal thing in heat with uh, Pacino and, yeah. And De Niro, but I think this this movie is on that level in terms of um, the scenes between the two of them where they meet or when he's on the phone oh, yeah. are just absolutely great. Well, those are the best scenes in Heat, and there's really only two of them. Yeah, I think I'm not gonna. I mean, Heat's great, but yeah, um, and I haven't seen it honestly in a while. But yeah, the you know when they're on the ferry and Amazing. and and Robin Williams, the way he plays it is just is just so fantastic because he, he's so kind of sharp and um it's also really great uh, like just casting I'm, I'm not sure what made him I don't think he had done any weirdo movies like that because i think around that time he did a movie where he was like a guy who develops photographs and he's like yeah one hour photo. one hour photo i yeah. think it might have been the same year it, i was yeah, um, 2002 but it wasn't it's not um I'm not sure what possessed them to cast Robin Williams in a role like this, but it, it does help because he has that quality of being, I mean, everyone loves Robin Williams. He's known for comedy and he's, he's obviously incredibly likable. Yeah. So even when you know what he is and what he's done, you do maybe not have sympathy for him, but you inherently are like, Hey, it's Robin Williams. You have a warmth that comes from his other performances to that character. And I think one of the one of the interesting things is he um, even as I, I think like Goodwill Hunting and like that kind of movie, um, he has this this sort of likable sadness to him. And he mm-hmm. brings that to this character where um, Walter Finch is this guy who you can tell is very lonely and and extremely disturbed Yes. In in a deep way, yes. but very well acquainted with hiding that that sense to him. Yeah. But but like there are cracks in that where you know you're like this dude's like hanging out with a 
17 year old girl like giving her dresses yeah, and yeah, like buying her nobody's like clothes. questioning this it's like yeah. really kind of kind of creepy and then when when he's in the when he's in the interrogation room he's like you know she wanted to be a writer and i was just giving her advice and i was like helping yeah. her out with that with things and and then pacino starts grilling him about like about like you you gave her you gave her a necklace you yeah, want to see yeah. how it is yeah and then, you want to yeah you want to feel the yeah and it's funny because also pacino is a little bit playing up. Nolan was talking about this in the commentary, how that scene, he's also playing up his anger. It's a little bit of a performance yeah, to deflect from his own, you know, what he's worried is going to come out about himself from, from uh, Finch's character. But the, um, and I love, I love yeah. the chess game. That's, that's the best part of the movie. Basically the chess game between the two of them where, yeah. where they kind of go back and forth. Also that chase sequence of the logs always freaks me out. I get so scared every time I watch yeah. that scene. Yeah. Super claustrophobic. Oh or, my gosh. Yeah. I like when he goes under the logs. It, uh, yeah. There's something about it that like triggers a, a deep fear of yeah. mine of being, being trapped underneath like ice or something like yeah, that. Yeah, where you, sure. You, uh, it just that freaks me. Yeah, freaks me out. I think it's in video games they do that sometimes where you you drop down the water and then like you can't get up and you have to like hold your breath and swim or whatever. Yeah, it just no, that's yeah, it's, it's very terrifying. very freaky. Um, also, it's very funny to watch. I, I was writing about how it's funny watching these old guys like hoofing <laughs> it across the, the ice and stuff. It's I mean, Robin it's Williams scary. probably was was like in his mid forties. Like, I guess he was. He's. I guess he was like forty eight or something. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was maybe a little younger, but yeah, Pacino running whatever is is, is delightful <laughs> to me. Um, I not a critique. I'm just. Purely my own it amusement is, watching. It movie. is funny how Pacino looks looks almost as old in this movie as he does in The Irishman. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's kind of de-aged to that age, I guess. Yeah. But he also, he, he almost seems older because The Irishman, he he's, I mean, it's 20, 15 or 20 years older, but he's, um, he's such an energetic guy in that movie. Yeah, yeah. And this movie, he seems so like haggard and exhausted. Right. He, I mean, he the, seems, bag, the eye bags. Yeah, and, no, know. and I think, I, in fact, Nolan mentioned he did some kind of makeup. Mm. There's a little bit of subtle makeup as the yeah. movie goes on to make him look more tired. Um, because it's funny, because I, I also watched, uh, there's a little conversation with him and Nolan that's like filmed around the same time. And it's he looks like 15 years younger in that because he's just like cool you know, six year old Al Pacino. Yeah. Um, but you don't, when, when you're watching the, the movie, it's just like, man, he just seems like he's, he's exhausted. Um, so, I mean, a sign of great acting on his part. Um, yeah, well, I, I do, I, I do want to mention just in terms of Robin Williams character. I think, um, this is one of those movies that I think, I look back to as like Robin Williams actually was just an amazing actor all around, you know, not just, not just his, his comedy performance, obviously as a kid, you know, I think of him as, as the genie and I think of him as Mrs. Doubtfire and you know, there's like, I haven't seen either of those movies actually. Aladdin? No. What? Or Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh my goodness. You should watch Mrs. Doubtfire. You would probably think it's hilarious. What did I see him in as a kid? I guess guess Happy Feet. He was the, uh, he played the Mexican uh, penguin in 
Or does he play a Mexican and a black penguin? Oh, no. <laughs> what a great movie. I love that movie. But, it's a good uh, thing he died before uh, he could be canceled. <laughs> Robin, no, that's the thing. I don't think he ever would have. Robin Williams, the no, thing about no, he, it, he was so funny and so likable. Yeah. He got the pass. He could play like a guy where he's like full on, like, <laughs> like acting like he sounds like Don King or whatever. And people are just like, yeah, it's cool. Robin Williams is, is the goat. No, you. Um, I guess. Yeah. I mean, those are the two that I that I recognized him from and then as i got older like goodwill hunting yeah that um, was great which i i don't know we've never really talked about goodwill hunting on the show but um it is a pretty amazing movie it's wonderful i only watched it for the first time a couple of years ago yeah um but it's great i mean it's amazing those guys they go they wrote it when they were like what like 20 or something yeah yeah affleck and and uh god matt damon matt damon, maybe the greatest yeah. act i keep telling people i think he's the greatest actor of all time he, he's he, he he really is like one of my favorite yeah but, and yeah. he's incredible in that movie but i think playing off robin williams as this just like genuinely like likable guy who's like taking someone under his wing and then that turn of him being like so sad and so have such complexity to him is like just it's beautiful those scenes between the two of them each one to me is like a like an action like a boxing match or yeah. something it's so it's it's as exciting as watching a, like an action scene yeah because well, there's like they're, yeah. they're so different styles and the way he brings up like when he, he pisses off robin williams in that first scene mm-hmm. me just fantastic yeah no well anyways but i i i mentioned that because you know he's just he really does bring something extra to this movie that I think would have been lost without someone like him in the same way that, you know, Kevin Spacey brings, um, that fire to, to seven that, you know, it needs to have in that last, that critical last third. But it is interesting that in both of those movies, they're basically absent for either most of the movie or at least half of the movie. Um, you know, in, in insomnia, Robin Williams, you really don't, you don't hear from him until I think like the hour mark about, Um, yeah. And, and he calls him on the phone, uh, and he, he starts chatting to him about being awake and, you know, he's like, who's this? Yeah. He says, chain, chain, uh, killing changes you. It's like awareness. That whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love those, I love those moments cause they're, they're kind of these, it, that's that's the start of the the chess game in some ways, um, and then as it moves along, like in that in that interrogation sequence, which it's not really, it's kind of an interview. It's like a police interview. Yeah. It's supposed to be yeah. more friendly. Yeah. Um, but in that interrogation sequence, he's playing off the fact that the well, they're both playing off the fact that they know too much about each other. Right. Um. But but Williams or uh. Pacino's playing off the fact that he knows uh, where uh, he's he's planted the gun in William's apartment. And so he right. he thinks that he uh, doesn't know that it's there. Mm-hmm. But Williams is playing off the fact that he planted the gun in in the boyfriend's apartment. So he took the gun and he put it in the boyfriend's apartment. Yes. Right? I was yeah. a little confused when I saw it last time. I was yeah. Thinking. Well, okay. he um, the idea is that he finds the gun in the in you know, remember Pacino, he yeah, he, takes he off hit the it thing. in the vent, yeah, yeah, right. And right. then um, he finds that and he puts it in the the oil in can. the oil, right? Uh, which I love that shot where uh, Pacino, he's like totally freaking out, and the cops are like the the su- police sirens are coming in, yeah, and he's definitely he's where shower, he's not yeah, supposed to be. Yeah. But the one before where he's like unscrewing the 
the Phillips head screwdrivers with like a tiny little knife and oh, he's yeah. and he like can't get it and he's like yeah. he's like freaking out about it. It's yeah. just an amazing no, that's great. Like, tense sequence. Like where Dormer is really kind of off his Falling game apart. and he's yeah. he's really like can barely function. We're like, why would he ever be caught in this situation? Like yeah. literally there's no reason. Yeah. Um but he's trying to find he's trying to find the gun and yeah. you know he he doesn't find the gun. <laughs> Um, that, that is the one thing where I think not that the movie goes off the rails, but in some ways, um, you know, the plan obviously is to, to stick Eddie with the, with the murder, the boyfriend, I think his name's Eddie, right? I can't remember, but yeah. Um, and, uh, and Pacino's kind of going along with it. Um, but knowing all along that he, he really wants to, to put it on the actual murder. Um, but after... I'm trying to think about the sequence of events where the, there's the end of this movie. There's this whole battle sequence there. You know, they, they, they do the standoff with the shotgun and, and he kills. Yeah. Um, they both shoot each other basically. Yeah. Um, and then Hillary Swank comes by and he, and she says like, I know you shot Eckhart, but I know you didn't mean to blah, blah, blah. Um, what is the, what is the sequence for, for this guy this young kid who did not, I mean, obviously he beat up his girlfriend, but he did not murder his, his girlfriend. Oh, what's that guy's fate? He's, he's going to jail. Well, uh, I think he's going to jail. Isn't Robin Williams now going to be guilty though? No, they're both dead. No, that's what I'm saying is there's no evidence. There's actually no evidence linking Robin Williams to this murder because all of it was either. See, I always assumed that cause they were, but I guess it's true. He, I mean, he's, he's guilty of, uh, firing a shotgun on a police officer, but he's not. Yeah, they have a standoff. Yeah, but there's not actually any moment where. But the he, gun, the gun Apatino is goes, actually it was him. Yeah, no, I mean, but Hillary Swank knows. Maybe I. It's a less. This is funny. This is like the unclear. end of Wizard of Oz, where like you realize Mrs. Gulch is actually going to come home and kill. Like they didn't actually take care of that bit of the plot oh. to kill the dog. <laughs> you know, They're like oh no, it's actually it's not going to be such a happy ending. <laughs> That's interesting. I never even thought of that, but because in my mind, it always was like once Pacino his the game is up for him, the truth is coming out. And, but but no, not the really. The fact that he dies kind of means that the truth dies with him and Robin Williams. But so so the idea is Hillary Swank knows that um, it was Robin Williams who was out in the fog who shot, you know, who shot at the the officers. Um, and the only way that oh. she knows that is, um, well, because she, she knows that he saw the detect, uh, uh, Dormer shoot Eckert, right? Well then, okay. That actually gives enough probably. No, because Hillary Swank only knows that he's the guy who's out in the fog. There's still no evidence connecting, uh, connecting him to, uh, to, the the killing of of k yeah but there's no evidence connecting the only evidence connecting the boyfriend was the gun no it's not just the gun it's that there's testimony about him beating up his girlfriend but wasn't it from robin williams it was from everybody i think i think the gun she knows robin williams is was in the fog that that exonerates the guy at least I think there's a... I think she's a good cop. She'll figure it out. Well, it's not about her. It's about the DA. Okay. 
and the DA, they're not going to bring charges. They're going to bring charges against the boyfriend. For domestic abuse, maybe. No, for for the murder. <laughs> Why though? But 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 because the, he's the easiest one to pin it on. I mean, he he's the oh, most you logical mean just choice. Like they're just gonna be like, oh, well, we want to get someone. No, so. no, not even that. He's just the logical choice. He beat up his girlfriend. They found the gun at his apartment. There's I don't think, no. I mean, look, none of this matters. This is completely unimportant. There's to no the evidence. Movie. There's no evidence that that. Uh, even taking Hillary Swank's word on this. Okay. And it's already complicated because all of them are compromised at this point. You can't take her word because she is taking it from a guy who, who died, who's lying about killing his partner. So you have to explain the, the roundabout way that she knows how he, (laughs) how he killed his partner. Yeah. And how she knows both. He, both Dormer and Finch um, know about each other's situation. So they, they have to explain that away. Third party from Hillary Swank's part, uh, uh, Hillary Swank's perspective by reconstructing a crime scene based on position. But I think she knows that if she knows he was in the fog, she doesn't though. I thought you just said she did though. The only no, she way, does. the doesn't only she way she, the, the only way she knows is because she assumed it. Because of Dormer's involvement. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I've never <laughs> thought about this, Cameron. I'm just saying, I think the boyfriend's going down. For this I, I, think, I think it's fine. Also, he's not because the movie ends. And when a movie ends, it ceases to exist. Um, but I'm just saying. You, you bring up an interesting point. It's I shoddy suppose. police work all around. So It is. It is. I mean, there, there's... You could see further extrapolate from the entire movie that this is all of this is the consequence of a lot of idiotic decisions that are made sure, largely yeah. by Al Pacino. Yeah. Um, well, but, uh, but also by the Alaskan cops and also by, and they, yeah, they don't really, really care. Once they catch the guy, they're all like at the bar <laughs> celebrating. Yeah, no. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Hillary Swank <laughs> is the only one who's redeemed by the fact that she she keeps investigating. You know, she goes, there's something itching in her. Um, but th- this is this is the weird thing. I OK, here's the thing that I don't like about not just this movie, but all detective movies do this. All OK, um, they all have there's a mythos that you um, when you're a detective, you know, you piece things together through this. Uh, sequence of of you know figuring out who's who and blah 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 yeah um, and it's just not the case it's not how it works they really just go by the evidence and and they they put, to, put together a case well that's what it is though in the, in a good movie I guess I'm not really this is not really a good detective movie because the because no, yeah. the crime yeah, yeah. Yeah. is solved by the guy saying I killed her over the phone. You know? <laughs> no, that's it's a good point. This is not like a great detective is like Zodiac or something sure, like that. Yeah, or yeah. even oh, I know we were like an hour from like what did you watch? I watched this great show called Mosaic that mm. Soderbergh made. I think it's like his Zodiac. Like it's him making a five hour. I mean, it's not a true story. It's wait, fictional. is this the? One where it's a it's an interactive story. It was. It, now that doesn't exist. Oh my exist. gosh! I did that. I did the interactive story. Oh, I really? didn't think it was very good. <laughs> well, maybe as an app, it probably is like who cares. But as just a thing, I watched on 
TV. It's it's definitely a lot more low budget, very, you know, it, it's not a well-known cast other than Sharon Stone, but I thought that was an excellent. It goes from being like, it's like partly a Zodiac, like murder mystery to following the the murderer you know like a guy you know closing in on you know his guilt or whatever as people are closing in on him to almost like a chinatown-esque you know like or like a conspiracy thriller um i thought it was terrific but anyway i just want to recommend that because no one's seen it that's and the so app, random the app doesn't exist do you have the app no it was a it was a website oh, um shoot. so basically i took a class in college it was um uh, interactive media. Um, and so basically that was part of what we did. Remember I did a, I did a project where I did, um, (laughs) uh, you know, the Alan Rickman play where, where they're, they're all talking and they're all heads in jars. Oh yeah. Um, Oh, I hated that. So that was horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did that, but it was, it was a, it was rear screen projected of, um, all surrounding you. So you sit in a box basically and it, all in your peripheral. How did, I, how did I never see this Cameron? This is, that it was just really in my cool. class. We did a showcase of it. Oh and, man, you um, should have invited me that. That would have been sick. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I, I used three pr- projectors um, and I shot three of my friends uh, who played the characters and they all, um, they all recited their, were their, they doing the Beckett play? They like were doing that? the Beckett play. Oh, yeah. okay. Wow. And so, and they, and they all flash on on different parts of the screen, and so you kind of see them all in your peripheral and oh, all around that's you. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of a, a lazy version of the assignment, um, <laughs> but I really I but, did have a lot of fun with it actually. I mean, I, you, you kind of plagiarized something in a way, but, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> did, what I did. Mean. You get a good grade on it. Yeah, I got an A. Oh, well, who cares then? <laughs> um, uh, but so you guys watched the mosaic. Yeah, that thing. was part of the class because it was it was really one of the first examples of that kind of sequencing of of going through a story, and you you picked different storylines. Yeah, it was the one with the children's. She's old, like a sixty year old woman who's a children's author, and yeah, she's disappears. Yeah. Yeah, and there it's at like a cabin. It's like snowy yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's Garrett Headland from Tron. Yeah, Legacy. yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was so good too. I, I thought he was great. I, I never was. I've never like was like, oh, I love Garrett Headland, but I thought he was really good. I remember it being like kind of um, a little gimmicky, and I think it, that was probably the app. Yeah, because like the app, it's it, like you reading document. It's a weird way to watch something. I yeah, think. and and but you the interesting part of it was you do go through the different storylines. Oh, we, that, that was why we did it was we did an assignment that was basically, it was based off of this right. where we had to create a website where you, you had a converging story. Oh. Um, and, and we had to shoot all the sequences for the converging story. We did a, <laughs> we did a kind of a funny little skit in my house where, um, it's, uh, Basically, you're doing normal uh, household activities, but every every way you do it, um, like so, you have two choices of like what you do, like make breakfast or like go brush your teeth. Mm-hmm. But each way, you die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so great. we just had like a bunch of like you know gruesome murder death sequences by... of <laughs> wow. death by coffee. 
Cameron, I gotta see these projects. That's funny. That's, I, I don't uh, think they exist anymore. I'd, I'd have to look how do them you guys up. Just like you guys, like lose all your projects. That's amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, I have like every, even the most moronic thing I've edited. I have in just one folder. Like I just put it in a folder. I just, I did a lot of projects. So I, I have to let you know. I mean, damn, I'd love <laughs> to see that stuff, man. <laughs> Well, anyways. I think I can find that one. I think I recently came across that one. Okay. Because I, I don't care. So I loved watching. I love the thing you did with Brad where you did the Mean Street shot. And oh, he, yeah. That's, that's fun. Going through the, uh, I think it was your, your first department. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, anyway, Mosaic, just to say, we're talking about detective stuff and I like the detective stuff in that. And the detective stuff in Insomnia is idiotic because he's an idiot and he's messing up um, it just really there's something to it that um i i like how everybody has has him as like a hero they talk about him as like a hero yeah, he's like genius, this respected yeah. guy but he really is just like the worst yeah the worst detective i mean he's 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 kind of on top of it at the beginning and he's, you know, he looks over the body and he's like, see, he washes her hair and he does the whole thing about the, uh, cared about her. yeah, there's the, uh, cut, he clipped her nails, nails, you know, yeah. there's a whole thing. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, there's like, I've, I must've watched the trailer for this many times because there's so many just like great lines that I like hit from the, he takes his gloves off. He's like, this guy crossed the line and he didn't blink. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan well, is funny. He, he has like kind of. His dialogue is always a little bit, I know he didn't write this, but all his movies are kind of the same where it's, no one talks like that in real life in any of his but movies. But not in like, it's not in like a Tarantino way where it's no, like no, cool it's not and in a, stylized. No, it's not in a cool way. It's like dorky. <laughs> yeah, it's like exactly. When, exactly. It's when the cops are like hanging out and he has like like joke lines. It's always like a little, little bit corny. <laughs> it's super awkward. Um, yeah. I mean, I... Again, that's actually the biggest laugh that I get every single time in the movie is the, when the cop says that and then he turns to Hillary Swank and he's like, sorry. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the joke about uh, uh, who has two thumbs and likes something. Likes blowjobs. Blow, yeah. Can we say that on here? Yeah. This guy. I love that guy. That's the guy. Remember in Dazed and Diffused, he, he uh, like, the guy is a bully. Oh, yeah. And he beats up oh, on. Oh, not uh, Ben Affleck. No, not Ben Affleck, but he, he gets into a big fight with the nerd. Oh, sure. At oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like towards the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, he's that's that's him. He's also the guy who's who um, lower fifth will be like turkeys on Thanksgiving in uh, the Dark Knight. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. like the who's next to Oldman on the. <laughs> oh man, yeah. And then the plane's going down. He's like, "Oh, that's not good." He's like, "Oh, that's not good." As the plane's going, <laughs> it's funny. It's like really. That is, but, Pretty cheesy, but that's true in in literally all of Nolan's movies, though. Is every every one there's a line where you kind of it's kind of cringe, but it's, funny, it's like yeah. it works in in a weird way. Like the bazooka, I always hated the the bazooka line in in Dark Knight, where the like thick New York accent guy is like, "Is that a bazooka?" Oh yeah, <laughs> what is that? But no, it's the same guy who says that. Oh yeah, 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 right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, that yeah, sneaky yeah. cat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that a bazooka? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> Things are worse than ever here. Like all the all the like. Oh, that's my fa- that's lines. my favorite line. Yeah, that's my favorite line. It's always a little bit. He. It's funny because he Nolan is so beloved and like respected and like the dorks who are you know, uh, you know, raising their blood pressure over Kathleen Kennedy, love Nolan. I mean, really, almost everyone does. Um, but it's funny because he his his dialogue sometimes 
I don't really consider it bad dialogue when it's kind of stylized like that or it's kind of awkward. To me, it's just kind of fun and yeah. it's weird. It's yeah. idiosyncratic. Um, but I, in a way, he's a lot like Shyamalan because Shyamalan <laughs> also writes his own dialogue and also sometimes sounds like no human being would ever say this. <laughs> but but I, in Shyamalan's case, with Shyamalan, I think a little bit. But I, it's not so dissimilar, and I, I think it's a big part of the way people go into movies where it's like Nolan. His movies are consistently good and they give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And Shyamalan, I think, still has the kind of the reputation of the um, last airbender after Earth. Sure. And I think people still are watching his movies um, where they go. Uh, what you know? I mean, we watched old. There's some parts in old where he's like, "What's the, oh?" The, meets the rapper. He's called Midsize Sedan. You're like, "What the hell is going on here?" Um, where I think people are overly harsh. That's just what I'll say. I, yeah, and I think, I think, um, I don't know. It is it is kind of funny, but it's you can overlook it. It's not like that big of a deal. Though I will say, I loved what you said earlier about how sometimes you don't know if Nolan is like ultra smart or like kind of dumb um, because it's true. It's kind of true where it's like it's, but I think that's, that's also part of his appeal um, where he, when I was a kid, I always used to think of it as like, he's, he's bringing high concept down to like low, you know, as kind of a low brow um, level where people can can understand it but then i'm like maybe this is just him trying to to uh to wrestle with with highbrow concepts you know maybe he's reaching up not yeah. not not you know oh yeah not, not trying putting to, his hand feeding his hand yeah out. trying to like bring it yeah bring in uh, people who wouldn't understand it it's actually him who's he's the one who doesn't get this stuff but he's just like trying to grapple with it <laughs> i think there's like there's a case to be made for that i mean when you see him in interviews, he seems like a very intelligent guy. He's very because he's British. He's, yeah, that's part of it. He's British. He seems very. <laughs> even when he's talking to Pacino, he. I mean, he looks like a kid. My mom said something. He he's on TikTok, you know, yeah, promoting yeah. Oppenheimer, which yeah. was maybe the funniest thing <laughs> in I've ever seen. And and he's he's sort of. My mom said like he. She said he's like a pretty boy. Like she said he looks like a like he's in a boy band or something. Yeah. And in, and in the insomnia era when he's like thirty, he really looks like 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 Harry Styles or something like that. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but then he opens his mouth and he still has that kind of like deep British like intelligent very like sophisticated yeah super sophisticated um but but then sometimes i'm like i just don't know i don't know if if is he really sophisticated i don't yeah i don't know i i mean also i think it maybe why we think of his movies as being like kind of bad dialogue i kind of just put this together it's because he is British, but all of his movies take place in America. <laughs> That's also might be true. Yeah. I Because he's never made a movie about Brits. Except for Dunkirk. Yeah. Except for Dunkirk, which they don't talk in that movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's the other thing is his movies post prestige are all much more action oriented. Yes. Yeah. He's gotten away more and more. And Dunkirk is the apex of him being like forget dialogue i'm making a silent movie i'm just gonna make a silent movie basically um which i think in i mean it's one of his best movies i'd say in some way it's to it's to his benefit some people consider that to be his best movie but uh 
I don't know. I just think there's something fun about the dial. I mean, again, I, this maybe is not the best example to be talking about because he didn't write the movie. But the way people talk in this movie does sound like the way they talk in other movies. When it's like kind of overly clever and there's like little little callbacks. He loves doing things where yeah. they say something and he's like, you know, something, you know, point out the necklace. He's like, it's the little things, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, he loves, you know, the Batman movies are full of those little uh, re like references and moments where you go, Oh, that's why they said this. Or, right, you know, right. um, the out of context, sometimes it seems very, like, a little bit cutesy or whatever. Um, it works for me. It's very interesting to, to it, it will be very interesting to see Oppenheimer because I think that'll be a lot more dialogue heavy. I think so. Cause I mean, there's going to be big <laughs> spectacle, but I don't think it's going to be like a, it's not gonna be like battle scenes. It's gonna be no, a lot of nothing. scientists talking, politicians talking. Yeah, it, it might be his. It, it's it has the potential to be his most dialogue heavy movie since The Prestige, maybe, or since this one, or since Insomnia, maybe. Yeah, because um, I Prestige is pretty talky. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's very good. I mean, I, I like all, I enjoy all of these. I enjoy the nonsense in fucking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> in the uh, tenet you know where they're just it, i mean it's incomprehensible but him and you know pattinson they're hanging out they're talking trying uh, to figure out what's going on yeah, yeah. i love it <laughs> it's great i don't know i one thing that i will say about tenet is not only is that movie um extremely uh it's disorienting but it yeah. also you can't hear anything, so it really just makes. Just put the subtitles on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It doesn't. It's still confusing, but it's uh, you know, it's it's just about you know, it's like Tarantino it, said. It's so much fun. It it's opens like movies. you're watching a foreign movie without subtitles. I mean, that's how the, that's how the movie starts. Yeah, yeah. But then you get you know you get your handle on what's going on. It, it's uh, it's okay. I think it's great. Well, anyways, I mean, I'll just say, um, yeah, insomnia, I, I am, I am really interested for Oppenheimer cause I think, I think it's going to be totally, um, I don't want to say a return to form, but in some ways I think it's going to be a very different movie from the last, what, six that he's made basically. Well, in terms of being a drama, in terms of being maybe any of his movies, this might, this is. <laughs> It's, I don't know if he's ever made a movie kind of like this. Yeah, I mean, Dunkirk, even though it's historical, is not... It's not really historical because these are fictional characters. Yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of... Um, wait, has he done a... His, no, I don't think he's done a... No. A, like a proper historical, like the protagonist is a real person kind of movie. Um, so that's interesting. It's going to be his longest movie. It's going to be three hours. Yeah, kind of not so excited about that. Really? Yeah. If if I can, if if there's no bladder issues, I'm I'm signing me up, man. I'm three hours of Nolan. Heck yeah. But uh, yeah, it's 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 certainly going to be a little bit. I mean, certainly way different than Tenet. I mean, Tenet is kind of the apex of. It's interesting how Tenet. There's actually very few Nolan movies I realize that are his original. Like they completely come from his own mind. Yeah. Because Memento yeah. is his brother's short story. The Prestige is a book. Insomnia is a remake. And then there's like Batman. Um, D Dunkirk come from history. Um, but I think Tenet and Inception and I guess Following are the only movies he's made 
that are his own. He wrote it himself. Yeah. That yeah. come from his own mind. And it's interesting because that's quite, that might be his best and his two worst movies. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure what that says. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are going to do Inception on here, but. I, that's, I don't think we'll run into it, but. Um, all right. Well, if you yeah. do, please. Yeah. yeah do the we'll, right thing. We'll have you. Please have me on for Inception. We'll have you. But in fact, we should do get Tim on and then we can like really. We'll grill him. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a that's a four person podcast. That's well, it's too much. Too much. I don't know. Maybe two parts. I don't I don't know. I just maybe maybe I'll just do a podcast with Tim about it. Well, I definitely. Yeah. I mean, I I. I really want to rewatch the prestige and I want to talk about it. Cause as a kid, I th- I would say growing up, I, mean, I think I saw it in eighth grade. It was free on YouTube. Okay. Oh, those are the days, man. I, yeah. Remember that when, when you could just find random movies that were free and yeah. you know, there, 12 it was, Angry Men. Uh, first yeah, time I 12 watched Angry it. Men. Yeah. Um, it was before like AdSense or anything, I think. Yeah. And yeah. so like you, you, it was really the wild west. Yeah. And and you couldn't find every movie there. Yeah. But really, I mean, uh, it was probably the DVD copy someone had uploaded of the prestige and it was just some <laughs> random channel and it had like, you know, fifteen thousand yeah. views and yeah. you know, and I was like, This is amazing. Yeah. And so I I think I watched that like three t- three nights in a row or something. I was like <laughs> uh, like on my phone, I was like so enraptured with this movie. Yeah. Like as as you know what are you in eighth grade you're like 13 12 or 13 yeah yeah and it was just like this this really incredible um for me it was like one of the the defining moments of like getting really into into movies was that your first what was your first nolan um i i want to say i want to say i watched batman begins before i watched the dark knight Okay. Okay. So it might have been Batman Begins. Me, it was Inception in the in the theater. Oh, okay. Um, because it was Inception is also good because Dark Knight's pretty disturbing, you know. Yeah. So and, Dark Knight, yeah. it was it was a little scary. I think when it first came out, that was two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. So what were we? We were eleven. Eleven. Yeah. So I think I probably saw it when I was like thirteen. Maybe. Okay. So in that, I think I think once I saw. It, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and then Prestige I found on on YouTube. Yeah. And then I was like blast off from there. Yeah. Did and you then, see Inception in the theater? I don't think I saw it in theaters. I th- I think I saw it on DVD after okay. or on Netflix. But the Dark Knight Rises. Sending the Netflix DVDs and whatnot. Right. Yeah. I think I saw it after. I was, yeah, Dark Knight Rises was the one where I was really hyped to the Yeah, and, the and that one was, was for me too because that was maybe my – sophomore year freshman year of high school yeah. and i remember yeah. me and sam you you met sam yeah we um, watched and drive with him right yeah, yeah um in my dorm room um yeah. our dorm room yeah um we we saw it on opening day um and this was like i think this was before Maybe it wasn't. Maybe we were just we were just dumb. But I think it was before they were doing like the Thursday night at like seven o'clock uh, showings, and so oh, we saw oh. it. Yeah, they used to do it Thursday only at midnight. Yes, yeah. So yeah. we couldn't see it at Thursday at midnight because obviously you know we were in high school, um, right? But we saw it Friday morning at like 
or maybe it was Saturday. It might it might have been the weekend. So we saw it like Saturday morning, like the earliest showing. It was like 10 a.m. And we were like, we got to get there extra early. And so we got there, I think, at 8 and we sat in the theater. They just let us into the theaters and we were like oh, ran yeah. around and we were that. like, you know, oh, messing so around great. in the theaters. That's so fun. Um, for like two hours before the movie. And it ended Very up cool. being like just us in there because it was yeah. like really early in the morning. <laughs> but, Did you think when you saw that it delivered? I was kind of, I was a little mad on it, to be honest. OK, yeah. I think I. I think I loved it, but I was in denial or I loved it, but I was like. <laughs> Because it's not as good as the Dark Knight, I was right, a little exactly. bit like, yeah. well, you know, it, it's you know maybe this, but I know I was pretty hyped. I was enjoying it. Yeah, that's how I felt about it. Was I was like, I there's like some things that are really awesome in the movie, um, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, but uh, but if only Heath Ledger was alive. Yeah, you know? I know. There's there's, like, there's uh, him and. Him and the and Carrie Fisher with the last Star Wars, I, I think, yeah. are really two where it's like, man, it would have been interesting to see the version of them, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, not, look, and not to mention the career Heath Ledger, because he was like what twenty seven or something. I mean, he was really twenty nine. Yeah. Damn. But that that um that trilogy, is that the most consistent trilogy? No, it's Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is the most consistent trilogy. <laughs> Nah. Yeah, not, it no is. Lord of the Rings is not as good. Um, <laughs> um I think consistent. I think the dark- yeah, I mean you can say consistent, <clears throat> could it'll be like Guardians of the Galaxy or or because they're all pretty good. But no, no, no. But I in mean, terms of like best and consistent. I think the Dark Knight is is up there in terms of just being a you know, one of those like all time great movies in that way um but i think i think the i think lord of the rings as a trilogy is basically almost perfect in terms of of what it's what it's doing and i think i think it really makes very little missteps i will withhold my skepticism purely for the reason that i have not seen Two Towers or Return of the King or I think since 20, I mean, they did the 10th anniversary, so that's 12 years ago. So oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I haven't seen since I was 14. So it's, and I only saw that one time. That was it. I really think you should rewatch so them. It's been a while. And, uh, here's, here's the issue that I have now as I'm getting old. Okay. Yeah. I used to love watching the extended editions. I was like, yeah, that's the yeah. only way to watch Four and a half hours. Yeah. And, and now as an adult, I'm like, I kind of don't want to watch the extended editions. Okay? Oh, okay. And, and part of me is like for two and three, it is, um, I for, for return of the king. Was it the extended edition in theaters? All, yeah, all three were extended. Geez, edition. So that was like a 12 hour. Oh day. no, no. I, we, we watched it each, each one, each oh, week. Oh, got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. But still four and a half hours. No, it's an insane, the it's an insane amount. Didn't go to the bathroom. Was Amazing. there a, there was no, no intermission. intermission. I didn't go to the bathroom. There was and an intermission. I made my friends stay through the whole credits, which are like 30 minutes long. <laughs> there was an intermission in theaters for the first version, for the theatrical cut oh, really? of, of return of the king. There, there were theatrical was like three and a half three and a half it was yeah. like a long even that no. yeah no exactly so but for me i'm like there's there's very little in 
Return of the King that I need from the extended edition, except for what happens to Saruman. Yeah, that is pretty funny. They cut that. It's out. horrifying. Yeah. I don't know why they Christopher did. Christopher Lee didn't deserve that. To- it's so messed up. And it's like, yeah, I guess you assume that he dies or something. But it's yeah. such a good scene. It really is. Um, and I don't know it to me, like the rest of it is it doesn't matter. And so you've never seen the theatrical cut of Return of the King. No, never. I've only seen the theatrical of the fellowship um, in um I saw live at Oracle with the orchestra. Maybe you should just watch the theatrical for all three. Maybe, maybe so. Because you might like them better. I think think they struggle from this is totally off topic, but this is our most tangent filled podcast. Yeah, because we're in person. You know, it's all Um, good. uh, Yeah, Return of the King suffers from pacing issues. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's a lot of battles. It's a lot it's long. I'm sure it's great. There's there's I look, I might change my tune, I'll watch it. Because believe me, when I see old fashioned, like, like well-made blockbuster filmmaking, that's part of why I enjoyed the new Indiana Jones, because I was like, wow, someone made a big movie that didn't make me want to kill myself for two and a half hours. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a real relief. Um, but in any case, going back to Nolan, I think, yeah, Batman, other than the before trilogy, which is three, I mean, maybe the three greatest movies ever. It's I I think it's Batman, though. I will say I think and then going back to Indiana Jones, I think Last Crusade is the best third movie. Mm, I couldn't uh, I other than Before true. Midnight. I can't think of a better third movie ever. No, I think that's true. And I think the third movie always suffers from um, it's it's like the conclusion issue. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want something that's too happy. You don't want something that limits the rest of the. You know, if you break off or do anything else, you you kind of want something that is like almost in the middle of a lot of different things. And it always just comes off as weak, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. conclusions to stories. It's really hard to get them right. Yeah. There's a lot of last seasons of yeah. TV. People go, yeah. uh, or even last episodes. Like, a lot of TV shows. It's funny. My dad watches sometimes like some Apple TV show. And he's like, yeah, you should watch it. And I was like, all right, dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, whatever you say, you know. Just and then, wait until. And yeah. then and then I check in, you know, he's like, yeah, it's really. And then he gets to the end. I'm like, what did you think of Slow Horses? Eh, it was all right. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, exactly. there you yeah. go. You know, yeah. the, the, I didn't waste my time. Which is why Return of the King just has such a poetic ending. Return uh, of the King's a nice ending. Being, you know, taken on this journey all along. Coming back to to your to your nice peaceful home, okay, and, and sharing a moment between these people who you've taken this journey from, and realizing that you'll never be the same. You sound like me talking about Richard Jewell, Cameron. This is <laughs> amazing. Um, it's an. I, I'm, it's, I'm sure it's, it's beautiful. beautiful. I'm sure it's nice. <laughs> I love the ending of the. Well, okay, whatever. We don't want to be spoiling stuff. But I'm sure like everyone's seen it. The ending of the Dark Knight Rises is ten out of ten. It's it's beautiful. I get like teared up like thinking about that movie. It's the so the ending of that movie is kind of insane. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, kind of. You know, when he kisses her. I, every is time I see alive? that, people laugh. We can't we can't spoil this. Why? <laughs> what? Because people haven't seen it. We can't talk about this. Spoilers for the Dark Knight Rises. You want to spoil the Dark Knight Rises? Yeah, I don't care. It. Wow, this is a chaotic uh, episode. Uh, you know, he's alive. 
What, you think you, Alfred was hallucinating? Yeah, he's imagining him. It's like, it's like Hap. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like Hap. In- <laughs> Sorry. No, it's like Hap where he's like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But it's so great. Yeah. and, and uh, Wait, how the- does he get out of the plane? He just ejects before it what? blows up. I'm confused. I, he put he put it he put his helmet on the on the pedal so it kept going. <laughs> the like, cowl. He put, he, there's like a, a little holder for that. Yeah, yeah. It's like when I when I my sink my drain. I don't want my drain to like open up, so I put my sponge so it holds the drain closed. Yeah, that's what he did. I I. I uh, I never really understood the end of that movie. I actually genuinely still don't it's, understand the end of that movie. He go they so he takes the bomb. Yeah, he gets he gets out of there. He, he ejects out of the. Also, he fixed it. He fixed the autopilot. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say later. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe he was just lying about the autopilot not working because he that's that's true. He does say it doesn't work. Yeah. He has no autopilot. And they kisses and Hathaway. That's so funny. That moment is it always gets a laugh like a bad movie when he kisses mm, her because people yeah. are like, oh, my God, he's kissing her. He has one minute to get this nuclear bomb off the city. <laughs> but it's great. I, I always I think the part with Gary Oldman, I always like, tear up when that. He says, he's like, he tells, well, he tells him who Batman is. That's, I think that's like mm, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And also Gary Oldman at the end where he puts his hand on the thing. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. But is the implication that like he's done with, with. He's see, moved on from being Batman. Okay. Yeah. He's going to go live his life. But, but, but you know that he hasn't. That's the thing is, you know, that he hasn't moved on from being Batman. Why? And, and this is the. No, he's off in Europe having a nice time. With his wife, this is this is worse than uh, than leaving the bomb to to explode. Okay, because basically what he's saying is, yeah, I'm gonna condemn uh, Gotham City to forever being ruined by uh, you know by criminals Gotham, and by hucksters. It doesn't need by, Batman because he saved the city. Well, of course it needs Batman. He took he he got the crime off the streets. No, he didn't. <laughs> All the it police all officers are locked up. in the underground sewer. Yeah, but they, they got out. <laughs> they did. That was the end of the movie. <laughs> it's true. That movie's insane. It's he, he gets them all. Yeah, they lock every cop under the <laughs> ground. I always thought that was the funniest plot point in any Nolan movie. What the, they sent every cop underground. They the send gr- every cop underground. <laughs> No, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was on something when he made that movie, man. It was, it who, was beautiful. Who, was it Goyer who wrote, who I wrote think that, that movie? That was, I think that was just a, 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 a Chris and Jonathan special. I think no, it, was just, it, it wasn't Goyer too? I think Goyer only did the first two stories. <laughs> I think it's just Chris Ma- and Jonathan. Wow. Okay. But now I'm rethinking. Cause I always was like. Was like, oh, Christopher Nolan. He needs his brother. You know, he kind of they they play off each other. Blah blah I mean, blah. But now I'm I, like, no, maybe he just needs Goyer. Maybe he just needs like no, an actual good writer. Goyer is like, uh, he 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 didn't he write uh, Man of Steel? I know I mean, he did. Isn't that embarrassing? Well, no, Nolan actually wrote the story for Man of Steel, but Man of Steel is the problem is the direction though. But anyway, whatever. Dark Knight Rises is great. <laughs> Christopher Nolan movies, they're great if he writes them with his brother. They're great <laughs> if they're written by him by himself. They're great if they're written by 
someone else hillary sites who we've never even mentioned but she wrote insomnia what um, else she, did she do is she like i've never i couldn't tell you oh let's look this well, up we really, really did our homework movie. for this episode didn't we wow we were just i, I want to talk about two other things about the movie unless you want to <laughs> oh talk gosh, more about the dark Knight rises <laughs> but there's quick things one thing is do you find it interesting how quick the average shot length of the movie was like how fast he's cutting yeah it was it was pretty surprising um and i don't know if that's like his style was shaky or if it kind of i kind of think it works like it almost reminds me of like a fincher montage or something i don't know i think one of the things about it i have three things to talk about go ahead and go ahead is like how um uh it's especially noticeable in the latter half of the movie. So I think it's a stylistic choice yeah. of like things are being, things are like being kind of thrown off perspective wise and they're like really shifting and moving around. And there's like this, but but even early on, like in a simple, like where he's brought in, he meets the chief of police. It's really just like do, do, do like jumping yeah. from everyone. And I remember seeing someone did an essay about how like, it's not really good, but I, I don't think know. I, it doesn't bother me. I, it could I think be it's an inexperienced thing. It, yeah. it really could be. He also just had a he had a style, this rapid fire style in terms of how he shot uh, action as well. Like if you yeah. look at Batman Begins, which again for some people is just people say that it's because he was not good at directing. But like the way he shoots fight scenes where it's like, these, you know, like super fast cuts, which I think especially works when Batman first appears. Um because it's like, what's going on, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it works. But as he's gotten older and he's made more films. Also, I think when he went to Van Hoytema, the way he shot scenes and the way he cut, it's a little bit more smooth. Actually, yeah. even Dark Knight Rises, when you look at the way he shoots fight scenes in that. Yeah. They're a lot more. God, people really like to talk themselves out of liking movies. Because I've seen people being like, oh, the extras, they don't, they're not really fighting in the background. I was like, who gives a crap anyway um what was the other thing he calls the wife that's a great scene great, great scene. scene and it's exactly like the irishman you're right it is exactly oh, like, I, like it's the, the same irishman. situation even. yeah very interesting to see how how those, those two guys play the that scene that's so true yeah i mean obviously the irishman is better a greater better. it is a greater film yeah but, and that scene is better in the Irishman, but yeah. it's it's still it still is powerful. And I, I think I think there's a you know obviously the guilt and the dramatic irony, the tension of you knowing that he is a murderer and mm. he's covering up his partner's death because he doesn't want to be investigated because he's a terrible person. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 really strong. But it was funny because I. I think I, I don't know if I'd seen the movie since the Irishman came out. Mm. So I was like, Hey, it's the same, it's the same scene. And then the last thing I wanted to just bring up was, is a uh, more, more, uh, tyranny, the, the hotel clerk. Sure. Yeah. Cause you had some, did you have a gripe about this or? No, I said, <laughs> I said the worst part about the movie, which actually technically it's not, but the worst part about the movie for me, or the, the most thing that I thought was annoying was that it was implied that, Al Pacino has sex with the hotel clerk. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I mean, kind of. She w- but her clothes. She's wearing the same. She's not like under the cover. Like the bed is just not. Is nah, not. I guess. Messy. She's wearing the same clothes. It's I think she really just a, took a nap. It's a kid. 
<laughs> Which maybe makes even less sense. <laughs> I know. That's what but, I mean. How does that? How does that even work? What is she doing? I don't know. She goes up for story time. He tells it's her a about. Weird, it's a weird relationship. That's a weird yeah. aspect of the movie. Yeah, one hundred. She becomes like this confessional figure just because yeah. she's kind of. I don't know. It's, it almost feels like she's like like doesn't exist or like she's like his conscience or something. Mm. It's really interesting. And I, and I say that not none of these things as a negative, like it's a part I like about the movie that she's yeah. kind of feels like a, I don't know. There's something almost like angelic about her or something. Like she's like kind of his, you know, like watching over him, watching over the two of them. Yeah. And, um, you know, when he's she's, on the phone at the desk, she's kind of looking at him. She's kind of blank slate too, because yeah. everything that she, she always is taking in information, you know, and there's, yeah. there's maybe one part where she suggests certain things. She's like, she's like, you know, everybody who lives up here or either they grew up here or, uh, they're or escaping, they're escaping from, something and yeah. I didn't grow up here, you know? So she yeah. just, she gives this like little hint of something, but at the same time, it's like really a confusing scene. I wish it just what didn't happen in the movie. Cause it, you just, you would just, Snip the shot where she's sleeping on the bed. It's so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. I mean, you're sounding like Isaac a little bit, but no, I it mean, just doesn't. I, it doesn't even make I sense. It, what it doesn't make sense is like, I, wouldn't she be a little more concerned about her safety? Like, she doesn't really know this guy, and he literally just confessed to um, by the shooting way, a guy, I someone, and uh, like, oh, and cool. I plant like, evidence, and like, I'm a horrible, out. corrupt person. Yeah. I just I need a little nap now. And she's like, everybody's made mistakes. <laughs> and you're like, what? And then she, it's just, it's literally just the shot where she's on the bed and then he like gets up and it's then weird. he like looks at his badge and he like throws it in his bag. And you're like, what is happening? What are they doing? What is, I, are they sleeping <sighs> together? Did they have sex? Are they, what is going on? <laughs> like a lot of things in this movie, I have no problem with it. I even like it. But it's completely baffling and I do not, I don't get, I don't, I couldn't, I can't explain to you why she does that. Except maybe you could say it's like, is she just, does she not exist? <laughs> no, I think she does exist, diagenically. Oh my gosh, are you exist. suggesting that she doesn't exist? I don't know. Wow. Is, it, is it like a, like a, uh, the guy's friend brain and brick where he's like, yeah, it's his brain, it's his mind. No, she talks to Hap, but. Or does she? Oh, she doesn't actually. No, she does. No, she doesn't. She gets their order, takes their order. And no, they don't order anything. Oh, right. he says, I lost my appetite and he walks away. Right, you never getting... see half order. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she doesn't exist. You got to get back to the QAnon message boards, my friend. <laughs> um, no, it, it's a, uh, it, it's weird. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but, but it feels right. That's the thing. I like so much stuff in his movies where you're just like, what the hell? What was that? Why would you do that? Why would you say that? But it's it's like I don't know. I, I maybe it's like just like a Stockholm syndrome thing where I'm just like his his worlds to me are so familiar mm. and such a comforting. I find all of his movies are like like comforting movies to me, and I think it's just at a point where I'm like, you know, there's movies you see as kids we've watched like a thousand times. And then you've watched you watch it for the thousand and one, you know, first time as a as a uh, adult. And you're like, wait a second, 
that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, like national what, treasure. Yeah, what, that, what what's going on here, you know? But it's like you don't even, your brain doesn't even register it just because it's so, and I've yeah. only seen this movie maybe four or five times, but the point being that it's just in the Nolan world, it's like. Yeah, yeah. No, I get, I get, I get what you mean. I just, it just, it's not a, it's not a critical thing yeah. at all, but I just find it annoying. If I have any criticism, I would only say that I think the movie becomes like a little bit kind of schlocky or a little bit silly. I think later in the movie, like when it becomes yeah, a big shootout, but it's fine. Good enough. It's kind of schlocky throughout, but it's yeah. charming. It, it's yeah. Not. And also I think he, he would have handled the shootout. It would have been a cooler scene if he was directing it now. Like he's, he's better at directing. Oh, action. Yeah, 100%. No, I will say like the, like I said, the log chase scene. That's that pretty is, good. That's really good. You that's know, pretty good. It's intense. It's got yeah. good stuff. And actually, if it was like super cool and slick, it wouldn't really make sense. And the fog too. I mean, that's a, neat, that's a neat scene too. It's not action, but it's yeah, it's that, very tense. That's you know? well done. Yeah. No, he's he's the man. Well, anyways. And uh, we've been talking about this movie for two hours, but has it, been, min- has it been two hours? Thirty minutes were about the Dark Knight and about how <laughs> trilogy. Indiana and- Jones, uh, Wes Anderson. Um, it's been a it's been a long. It's been fun. We haven't know? even talked about Interstellar. Wow, what a picture. Anyway. <laughs> well, anything else to say? I think I think that's it. Yeah, it's great great movie. All of his movies are great. See all of them. And uh, please have me back, Cameron, if we're talking about... Especially if we're doing, like, Inception, The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, we should... Well, I really want to do The Prestige, but... I. I, I think Inception is good because I, I haven't seen it in a couple years. So it, it's good to revisit. I always think of it as like not necessarily as one of my favorite of Nolan's. What is your favorite? Um, it's either Dark Knight or, or Dunkirk. Okay. Yeah. That's like two or three for me. So yeah, fair enough. All right. We can, we can close it down. <laughs> I don't All right. Wanna... Well, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>